You know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Fortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want Deshaun anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. And we're back. Welcome to Race Sports Rand. And I'm sitting in that sports director's chair for the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Thanks to everybody who's tuning in and make sure that you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and never miss an episode of Race Sports Rant. You can also find tons and tons of great sports content over at DeanBlundell.com. Make sure that you give me a little follow over at DPN underscore Ray. What's going on, people? Happy Tuesday. And uh, how'd y'all enjoy that Monday Night Football game? Toronto Blue Jays, hey, what a weekend they had beating those Baltimore Orioles two out of three. It was such a key, important series for them. I talked about it on Friday on my uh, Blue Jays report, how massive that series was going to be. And, uh, man, the Blue Jays came through. George Springer, Matt Chapman. I swear, I will tell you all, I swear to God, they were sitting in the dugout Friday night listening to me do my show because I said the only way that those the Blue Jays can win is if those two guys are their best hitters. And, that, and guess what? They were their best hitters. And they would have won on Sunday, too. But uh, you know what? We can let Jordan Romano off the hook because that man is great. All right. The music's playing. We're having a good time. But we got to get going here because... It's showtime! Uh, like I said, I wish I could just do the whole show with the music just pumping through my headphones like that. It gets me so jacked up and ready to go. All right, guys, we're going to be talking some Toronto Maple Leafs today. We got our boy Griff Borgeron on. He's from the Dean Blondell Network. He writes about hockey. He writes about uh, betting on hockey. He's also got a podcast called the YWC Football Talk. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Griffin B. Follow him on TikTok at I think Griff Sports Talk. I could be wrong on that. I don't have it in front of me. I apologize, Griff. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him in, Mr. Griff Borgeron. What's going on, man? How are you? He always oh, puts the shades on. Look I gotta him. do it. I got to do it. Go. Why? Because I am here to talk hockey. And I'm a little crossover because I'm a wrestling fan, but I'm also a hockey fan. We've got my SummerSlam Leaf shirt on. So what a day it is to talk about such a great hockey team. All right. So let's start with what I think is the funniest tweet of the day. Okay. The, The Toronto Maple Leafs official Twitter account tweeted this out today. Listen to this. Quote, not a bad day to start the week. The Leafs and Legends Charity Golf Classic is underway in support of MLSE EF Foundation and presented by at Scotiabank, end quote. And they put a picture of a bunch of Toronto Maple Leafs golfing. I quote tweeted it and said the Leafs are getting ready for the playoffs. Look, it was for a good cause. And uh, the question I'm going to ask is for a little bit of fun, and it's a lot of tongue in cheek, but for a team that hits the golf course way earlier than their fans want to them to year in and year out, 
Uh, is this the Leaf social media team just not reading the room? No, it's not. No, no, no. I'm going to stop you right there. It's not. No. What this is, it's just a little fun little golf tournament. You know, get the boys loose before the calm before the storm, right before the uh, season begins, because coming up in a couple weeks, uh, regular season starts. So, folks, expect more content from yours truly. But with this, every team does it. Every team does a charity golf classic. But you know what? Sometimes with the Leafs social media team, they're going to be eating crow for stuff like this. It's like what you said. Yeah, were they maybe reading the room from not properly? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, too, I take this as just people having a po- little poke fun because it's always – they're that kid that it's just too easy to make fun of. You know when sometimes when someone just makes it too easy to make fun of someone? That's what the least social media did here. They just The boys just wanted to have a good day out at Rattlesnake, you know, drink some beers, hit some drives, shoot the shit with some legends. That's it. I know for a fact who they were at Rattlesnake Golf Course in, uh, I think, Milton. That's where it is. So all teams do this, but you know what? For the Leafs, social media team, come on, read the room. (laughs) All right, listen, the NHL preseason is upon us. It is starting, I think, in five, six days. Leafs open Saturday. Yeah, we pre-record this show, so I'm I'm messing up on how many days are left. But uh, listen, NFL fans treat the preseason especially of their favorite team, like it's a regular season game. It's when we're seeing the the rookies, we're seeing a whole bunch of other stuff. How does the NHL preseason compare to the NFL preseason? Because the star players actually play and care to play. There are less games, and you're basically playing the same opponents for about five or six games. I think the Leafs mainly play Ottawa, Detroit, and Montreal. But when it comes to stuff like this, the preseason's more about Getting your, it is has the same similar logic as NFL preseason, where you know you get those guys who are like your third, fourth liners, your grit grinders, all those guys are getting looks. But it's also too about the superstars going in there to fine tune their skills, basically stuff that they wanted to work on during the summer, and or things that the coaching staff or Kyle Dubas gave the leaps to work on during the summer, and basically come on and say, "Hey, this is how I got better. Now I'm going to show the fans." So basically, it's kind of like tuning the guitar before the opening act before the main act goes on for a concert. Do NHL fans get into the preseason like NFL fans do? Because when the NFL preseason is on, I mean, I go on my Twitter page and it's exploding with football conversation. People talking about fourth string running backs and third string linebackers. Is that going to get that same kind of hype across social media for the NHL or is it a little bit more tame? Oh God, no. It's usually only the diehards that really do care about the preseason. So like myself, like I do care about it just because you want to see kids you drafted, rookies, kind of see like, hey, are these guys going to go back to junior? Are they going to come to the show? Because that's a big difference between the NFL and the NHL. There's like, you can get cut, but you're going to get sent back to, you know, the Toronto Marlies, an OHL team. Some of these kids are going to go back to school in the States, or even some of them are like for the European kids. They can go back over in Europe and play professionally for a season or two. So that's the big difference between the two. But in the sense of caring, no, if there's no like, oh, who's our third line left wing going to be? You're going to get that with the diehards and, you know, you're, because basically a lot of the people who are diehard hockey fans, especially the older generations of the people who struggle to watch Thursday night football, which folks get with the times um, they're calling in the talk radio shows to bitch about everything else. That's why I love listening to stuff like that. But at the same time too, as soon as they open the phone lines, I turn it off because they say shit. That's just too unrealistic. Basically picture it like this picture Felger calling in to his own show. That's what Toronto sports radio talk shows are like for the people who call in. Fantastic. Hey, listen, expectations are through the roof for the Leafs this season. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been kind of gauging the the feel of the fan base, Twitter, Facebook. I've joined a bunch of Toronto Maple Leafs fan groups, which 
I don't think anybody's realized I'm an outsider yet, but I'm a part of that. I'm really feeding it. Uh, what I'm getting out of that is Leafs fans are ultimately cautious after a lot of the, the playoff woes that they've gone through. What are your expectations for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season? We've talked about everybody else's. I want to know what Griff's expectations are for the Leafs this year. Cautiously optimistic. I know that this team can make the playoffs, but to be honest, when it comes to cautiously optimistic, it's the playoffs. To be honest, I could give a shit about the 82 games in the regular season. Go out there, get your 100-plus points. Matthew scored 50 goals. Marner's put up 100-plus points. Michael Bunting looked good. My biggest concern is in net. But besides that, like I said, what they do between October and April, honestly, I could give two fucks about. My biggest concern is what you do in the springtime, what you do when the lights shine brightest, and what you do when the series are on the line. Because guess what? Whenever these guys have a chance to clinch their series, they shit their pants, frankly, the last few postseason. So we'll see if they can finally overcome. Basically, take the, take the knife and just spear the dragon right in the heart. Well, speaking of shit in your pants, uh, we just passed the anniversary of the 2009 trade that saw the Toronto Maple Leafs acquire Phil Kessel from the Boston Bruins in exchange for a first-round pick in 2010 that turned into Tyler Sagan, a second-round pick in 2010 that turned into Jared Knight, and a first-round pick in 2011 that turned into Dougie Hamilton. 13 years later, how does that trade make you feel, and where do you rank it amongst all-time worst or best trades, depending how you look at it? It's... The Tyler Sagan move is the one that's the biggest one there because obviously Dougie Hamilton, he's an average NHL or Jared Knight never really saw much action in the show, but Sagan's the big fish in that pond. The fact that Shirelli personally screwed up, he personally screwed up and dealt Sagan to the Dallas Stars because of attitude problems makes the burn a little less slow. Now, I don't think Tyler Sagan was going to come in here because basically when you come to Toronto, it's kind of like you're expected to be Jesus Christ. You're expected to be this. That's why Phil Kessel's run, Dion Phaneuf's run, were kind of disappointing because everyone thought they were going to come in here, they were going to be God, they were going to save the franchise. So I think, look, at the same time, it would have been nice to have Tyler Sagan in a Leafs uniform? Absolutely. But he basically has stuff with dealing with puck bunnies more than uh, his actual career, even though he is happily engaged now. And I actually did meet him at a concert three months ago in Toronto. But in the end of the day with him, he would have been asked to be too much and he probably would have ran out of town. So you know what, Leaf fans, that's long ago. Let's not focus on what happened 13 years ago. If you're still doing that, stop living in the past. Look at now. Look at what can be, and hopefully they break through the ceiling. Hopefully. If not, I don't know what to tell you. And I apologize if I'm hacky for you, if I'm cutting out everybody. I'm watching my Wi-Fi giving me my, my signal on my streaming service, giving me the low signal. I am with Bell, the most reliable internet in Canada, which is the most unreliable internet I've ever dealt with. Anyways, Michael Mazzi of Leafs Nation wrote this. He said, Michael Bunting could not have asked for a better first season with his childhood team and blew just about everyone's expectations of what he could be. I'm going to stop right there for a second because I'm going to forget this question. Is hockey the biggest sport to emphasize it's a guy's childhood team? Because I see it all the time. You don't see that in a lot of other sports, but in hockey, they're always like, you know, the Tavares in his leaf pajamas and that type of thing. They're always talking about a guy's childhood team is that is that a hockey thing yes it can be basketball to an extent like well but it's like very rare like we saw lebron go to obviously get drafted by cleveland go back to cleveland bring them a championship but with hockey it's different it's because there's so many little teams it's because you're just so ingrained in the sport it's because of how big and iconic it is like look at the nfl draft when you hear people say like oh he was drafted by the giants but he was a cowboys fan growing up and it's quickly like yeah you know what it is what it is look at nick suzuki 
when he was named captain of the Canadians last week, we talked about this. There was a tweet that surfaced about him saying goal leaves go beat the Habs. And it's in the, it, the tweet has since been deleted, but it's out there forever. So Nick Suzuki, you are a Leafs fan. He's a London, Ontario boy. Now with Michael Bunting, local Scarborough kid, always his dream to play here. 14 years old, still playing double A hockey. His mom, breast cancer survivor. His is a story that I grasped onto quickly. And he right now, outside of the big two, is my favorite Toronto Maple Leaf. Why? He's just so easy to like. It's like Jack Campbell. It was like Jack Campbell. Excuse me. I wish Jack was still here, but that's another story for another day. All right. So let me finish up with this piece here. So then it said the 2020, 20, 2022 to 2023 campaign will have increased pressure on him, not only to pick up where he left off, but to try and build off the previous year and show that it wasn't a fluke. Bunty will certainly be given every opportunity to succeed because Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas have believed in him for a long time, dating back to when he was a member of the, the Greyhounds, the So Greyhounds. Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And by all accounts, his line mates get along well with him. Uh, so well, uh, sorry, get along with him. So they will do their part to ensure Bunting does well once again. What are your, I know you like him in person, but what are your expectations of the hockey player for Bunting this season? i take these off. My expectations for Michael Bunting are simple. It's like when Zach Hyman was here. I don't expect a lot. And I'm not trying to say if he has a worse year, run him out of town. The guy signed to an $850,000 contract. He's not signed to a $5 million, $6 million contract. If he underperforms, it just means they can lock him up for cheaper. So for every folks out there expecting him to get 20 or 30 goals, pump the brakes. His job is to make Matthews and Marner look good. If he can do that, he can be a pest. He can be annoying. And you know what? Contribute sometimes. If he can have a couple games a year where you look at it and you go Michael Bunting games, he did have a hat trick last year. If he does that, great. If he doesn't, it is what it is. I do want to point out that when Griff and I started doing these interviews like three weeks ago, it was still light out when we were doing it at 7.30. Now I'm looking around behind me and it's already yeah. dark. So oh, hockey season must be here. All right, listen, I saw this comment on, on Twitter to, uh, yesterday. It said this, prediction, Austin Matthews will sign the max valuable NHL contract on Canada Day in 2023 for the Toronto Maple Leafs, making him the highest paid player in NHL history, and it will still be a fucking bargain. Griff, you said last week that as soon as this season is over, everybody is going to be hyper-focused on the Matthews contract. If you were going to take a guess, what would your prediction be for an Austin Matthews contract, and will he sign it with the Leafs? Because we've heard his desire to return home to Phoenix. What's your thoughts? I think a lot of it's going to depend on if Phoenix improves. I just don't see it. Look, they don't have an arena deal in place. Playing in an arena that's 5,000 people. Can you imagine that? It's basically like when the LA Chargers had to play in the same stadium as the LA Galaxy. It's that bad of a situation for them. Now, obviously, the Chargers moved on to SoFi, but the Coyotes have always been bad. If he's going to go, he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to go to like a Vegas. He's going to go to like an LA, somewhere like that. Also, too, if he could go to Arizona, no state income tax. But with Matthews, if you're expecting a deal, look at what Nathan McKinnon's going to sign. He, Nathan McKinnon on 32 Thoughts last week came out and said that him and his agent, Pat Brisson, were working with Chris McFarland and Joe Sackett to determine how much he's going to sign for, which McKinnon is probably going to break the McDavid threshold, which is about 12.5 right now. So if you had to guess a number, he's going to sign for at least 12 because the cap is expected to jump after the 23-24 season, 
when Matthew's deal would kick in. So basically they can do it where they backload the contract, kind of like what we saw the Patriots do last year in their free agency bonanza. A lot of those contracts, small money this year, but as the cap's going to get higher and higher, more money is to be made. If, let's say, the Leafs don't win the Cup this year, if the Leafs, let's say, worst-case scenario, take another first-round exit, and then Austin Matthews signs elsewhere after next season, how devastating is that for a Toronto Maple Leafs fan? It's devastating because he's, he's he, talents like him just don't grow on trees. It's not like a you can easily replace it. If he doesn't sign, you got to look at the options and burn it down. It's just one of those things where it's just, oh, back to the drawing board because you can't keep doing like the Dallas Cowboys cycle where it's just just trying to patch it together and make it work. I'm not saying this year if it's going to make it work, but I'm just saying like how I've said before, if he doesn't sign on Canada Day 2023 with Toronto, you're going to hear about it all season long. It's all anyone's going to care about. Why? Basically, I'm giving him till about this time next year to sign because if we see, we're probably going to see Nathan McKinnon sign within the next few days. The contract details are going to come out. So I'm going to say, like, like I said before, look at what McKinnon signs for because Mac is a top five player in the league. And look at how the Leafs do. If the Leafs don't win in the first round, the questions are going to come up. But if they do, even if they make it to the second round and get swept, I still think he stays because he can see potential in here. And another cool nugget that came up today from the Athletics, Jonas Siegel, Kyle Dubas is on the last year of his contract. That's just something fun to point out as well because if they fail, you can do the simple little show them the door like how Greg Vanny was ran out of Toronto a couple years ago with TFC. James Reeves of Leafs Nation wrote this, quote, fresh off the back of a breakout season, one in which he scored a career-high 15 goals and earned himself a $2.25 million contract extension. Pierre Engvall, did I say that right, Engvall? Will slot back into the third line, left-wing position he cemented by the end of last season. The Swede believes that he can be a 20-goal scorer for the Leafs, and he should provide the team with some valuable depth scoring if he can improve on his 9.7 shooting percentage from last year. Now, Griff, the best teams in hockey get production from their bottom two lines. That's how you win a Stanley Cup. You can't win a cup with just the top two lines. What are your thoughts on Engvall's season last year, and what are your expectations for him uh, playing for the Leafs this year on that third line? Be a third line. Be a grinder. Contribute when you can. Produce on the penalty kill. That's going to be the big one because Ilya Mikheyev left for Vancouver. He was a big penalty killer. And as well, you're probably going to see guys like either maybe Engvall next year is in a situation where he's going to be playing for a contract elsewhere. It's just going to be one of those things where, like kind of like how we saw with J. I'm not comparing him to J.C. Jackson. I'm just saying what J.C. Jackson went through in New England, where it was like, hey, he's good, but at the end of the day, we probably know he's going to go elsewhere. He's going to thrive elsewhere. Um, Just a quick side note with Bunting, he had 63 points last year. So if he can tie that and get into the 20-goal category as well, I'm okay with it. But with Engvall, produce when you can. Be that guy that to pest to play against. That's what I look for with him. If you can, if he can score twenty goals, great, and he can earn himself a contract. I just, at the end of the day, don't think it'll be in Toronto. So when you look at the Leafs' sort of bottom two lines, I guess what are your expectations for production out of them this year? Or better question, let me let me word that better. How much do they have to produce in order for the Leafs to be successful? Because we know what the top two lines can do. You know, I mean, we've had discussions about whether to split up Matthews and, and Nylander. You know what I mean? Like, that's how plush they are in the top two lines. 
when you look at line three and line four, the checking lines, the grinding lines, what do the Leafs need out of those lines to be successful this season? Produce in the playoffs. Produce in the playoffs. Score when it counts. Get those ugly goals. Crash the net. Be a shit disturber. That's what you need. Obey Kubel is coming from Colorado, someone who just won a cup. He's entered the cup too. And then as well, Adam Gaudet's another player as well. It's guys like that that when your name, basically when your name is called, you go in there and produce. We saw it. I'm going to give another football example. We saw it yesterday with the Detroit Lions, Dan Skipper, practice squad guy for six years. He got his opportunity to shine. What happened? He shined, and then Dan Campbell is a great guy and led him to his press conference. So when your name gets called upon and you're inserted into the lineup, be ready. Don't panic. Fight or flight. Fly. So I'm not a Leafs fan. I think I've made that very clear my entire time on the Dean Blundell Network, but especially since the creation of Ray Sports Ran and bringing people on. I'm not even really a hockey fan. I'm in the the midst of learning hockey again, watching tape from last year, reading stories. I I told Griff last week I'm in I'm in training camp. Uh, you know, but I cover the Leafs for the network now, so I you know I'm adapting myself to it. Former hockey fan that kind of fell out of love with the sport. Um. But if I was, I would probably be at my breaking point if I was a Leaf fan after all the postseason disappointment. And I'm not trying to harp on this. Um, as optimistic as some Leafs fans have been, and I've read a lot of it, I've read a lot of pessimistic comments as well. And I told you I've joined a lot of like Facebook groups and I'm, I'm kind of following Leafs fans on Twitter. I'm creeping them. They don't know I am, but I'm creeping them on Twitter and Instagram and that type of thing. And a dude wrote this on Facebook. He wrote, quote, Kyle Dubas must be fired so they can put a competent GM in place who has hockey knowledge. And he used three explanation marks. That's why I wanted to get louder there. Um, Clearly, there's a lot of frustration among some Maple Leafs fans. Uh, you and I, we're not going to get into the goaltenders because we've talked about it the last three weeks, but we know the goaltenders is a, is a question, and we know that some fans are, are frustrated by it. But I'm going to ask you, how much more leash is MLSC going to give Kyle Dubas before they just have to let him go or, hey, just let his contract just go away? It'll, it'll be his contract running out. They're, they're not going to fire him. It's just going to be uh, we've agreed to terms to not extend him further. We wish him the best of luck. Because if you fire him, it just adds to the gasoline of the Leafs like failures. That's all it does. It adds to the failure fire. That's a new term we're going to hopefully coin this episode with, failure fire. But it's not how much leash does Kyle Dubas have. Everyone's looking at Brendan Shanahan now. Everyone's looking at him. Is he the problem? Is he the problem with the organization? I know he's the president. I know he's the face. He's been here for almost 10 years, and they've done fuck all. That's the problem. He never gets the blame. It's always the coach and the GM. My other thing with Dubas was, and I've said this and I'll always bring this up, 2019, Mike Babcock should have been fired after Game 7 of the Boston Bruins. Kyle Dubas did not have the balls to do it. Was that a Dubas call or a Shanahan call? That's what I want to ask you. That was probably a Dubas call, or a Shanahan call. Like with the Mitch Marner contract saga, he signed for $10.9 million, $10. million as a contract. Shanahan made the call to sign it. That's something not a lot of people know about. Dubas was willing to let him hold out like he did with William Nylander. Shanahan made the call. Shanahan's the one. Basically, Shanahan is the villain in the movie that you never see until like the very end. And it's always like these henchmen, but it's like, oh, we got to report to the bigger, bigger guy. So basically picture it like Brandon Shanahan's the godfather and then everyone else is underneath him. So Brandon Shanahan is sort of like the Leafs puppet master. Yep. And he's just not taking any accountability for his actions. 
No, it's just because MLSE kind of says like, okay, here's the keys. You you do with what you is, but eventually you, you can have a house party, but eventually mom and dad are going to come home and the house is trashed. So it's either, look, you clean your mess up before mom and dad come home or you face the music and eventually face consequence. He's avoided the consequence. It didn't start until last year. And I'll also recommend this too. If the Leafs do lose in the first round again, just don't listen to what anyone says. You basically, it's one of those things where people need a social media decompress. That's the thing that not a lot of people do, but you need to do it. But that's just my analogy with that. It's mom and dad are coming home. Are you going to clean this up? Or are you going to let them see that the house is trashed and the TV's broken and the chandelier is on the floor? All right, James Tanner of Fansider wrote this. He said, the Toronto Maple Leafs are probably not going to get Patrick Kane. I know this. You know this. The Toronto Maple Leafs don't need to rearrange their entire roster to trade for a player who is 33 and who was one of the league's worst defensive players. It's time to throw the fans a bone. They owe us one player to get excited about per offseason, and this year I'm saying to make it a 33-year-old Hall of Famer who is the best passer in the league. Hey, kids. You stuck with us, and in return, we've hired Patrick Kane to make the following season kick-ass regardless of results. Now, Griff, I hate when fans believe that a franchise owes them anything. Franchises owe you nothing. Relax. You don't like it? Cheer for somebody else, but you won't because they feed the entertainment beast, so they owe you nothing. The same way ER and... Grey's Anatomy owes you nothing. It's entertainment. But if there is any franchise that owes their fans something, it's probably the Leafs. It really is. Uh, would you like to see the Leafs trade for Patrick Kane? And, um, you know, what do you think he could do for the Leafs if they did? Just a fun question for you to end this off. He is one of the greatest U.S.-born players to play. He's kind of local. He's from Buffalo, New York. I don't, I don't think it's the move. I just don't because the Leafs prospect pool – there's no big name that's there waiting or coming up. I want you to do some homework. Go look at the Dallas Stars. That is a team that still has players. They've got some young kids and got a lot more young kids on the way. You don't look at that with the Leafs. This is a now or never. You can do it. I'd rather look at a player like Mark Shifley, someone who's a little bit younger, a little bit more physical, and guess what he can do as well? He can score. And if you can make the Jets eat salary, because that's another topic I want to talk about eventually, is how mid that team is going to be this year and how they're getting ready to burn it down. So if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm looking at Mark Shifley and not Patrick Kane. For as good as Patrick Kane is, just because you buy – what am I going to say? Just because you don't get a Lamborghini, it may not be all it's made out to be. Because for all we know, he could walk. At least with Shifley, you have some control. That's the other thing, too. And Shifley also, as well, is about four years younger. All right. Almost all those names you said mean nothing to me. All right, I got a good one here for you, okay? Yeah. There's been a lot of talk lately, and I think Austin Matthews sparked this whole thing. But there's been a lot of talk about changing the Leafs' goal song. All right. It was all over the radio this morning. It's been all over Twitter all weekend. If you were going to pick a goal song after Toronto scores, what would it be? Something that's not Hall and Oates. I'm on the train of change <laughs> the goal song. It was cool at first. Change it. Something what about was, nah, 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 the old one? You know, I'd all go back to that in a heartbeat, but I know they won't. The one thing I would like to see them do, to be honest, is individual player songs. Buffalo Ooh. just started this. They basically have it where a different player scores a different song. Like some players go country, 
One player went party in the USA. Some other players go with like rock EDM. It's different based on the player. I think that's something that they should do. You know what? Let the guys have a little bit of fun with it. Let the Leafs be a fun organization. And I can say proudly right now on this podcast that I will be going to two different hockey games that are not Leafs games in October and will happily record my experiences to you on them once they're done. One is in Calgary and one is in Buffalo. I'd love to see that. Uh, I like the white stripes. That's my favorite. That's a big, that used to be a big soccer one. And the whole crowd is a, it's just, it just works. Yeah. All right, Griff, we got to go tell the people where they can find you, what you're doing, all that kind of fun stuff. I write blogs for Dean Blundell. I make TikToks about gambling. I, Ooh, I'm, you know how good I am? I actually didn't post this, but I hit a sweet college four-legger parlay this week. Won me some good amount of money. I also can be found on Twitter, Mr. Griffin B right here. Mr. Griff B, Miss, uh, and Griff Sports Talk on TikTok. So Griff, Instagram, Griffin, Twitter, Griff Sports Talk, TikTok. You know where to find me, guys. I'm also on YouTube. That's YWC Football Talk, mainly the podcast stuff there, but more stuff will be coming soon. And also, guys, with TikToks and stuff like that, the content is coming in fast and heavy. Basically, what I'll be doing all season, I'll write an article, say why I like this, and then along with that comes a goofy little video that I'll be posting to Twitter like I've been doing for football season. So you know what, guys? Buckle up because this hockey season, I don't have my wallet on me, but if I did, it would be full of cash that I can give to all of you guys because my picks are going to hit it out of the park. I'm not here to give you losers. I'm here to give you some goddamn winners, and that's what we're going right. to do. So hop on the train. Let's ride. Let's do it. Griff, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate it. I'll see you next week, pal. That's Griff Bojwan, our resident hockey guy. All right, that's it for today. That's all she wrote. It's time to go. Make sure you check it out on YouTube every day. Find it on Twitter. Hey, find out the Dean Blundell Network Twitter account at DBlundellNet. Follow me on Twitter at DBN underscore Ray. Hit that like button, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Hey, if you don't have time to watch the show, get the podcast. Get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at DeanBlondell.com. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer, send it to me on Twitter. And that's really all I have to say. Thanks for tuning in to Ray Sports Rant. And never forget, you're all legit, kid. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.